You're listening to the No Gray Areas podcast with Patrick McCullough. We welcome back Joseph N. Gagliano, author and creator of No Gray Areas. In this episode, Joe and Pat discuss their goals for building a better foundation for the next generation while working alongside ambassadors of compassion. Let's dive in. Joe Gagliano, you almost don't need any introduction because your name is part of this podcast, right? Uh, no Gray Areas, Joe Gagliano. It's your story. It's the book that you wrote. Um, there's some exciting things coming down the pipeline. We're going to talk a little bit about that today. But you have a quote in the book about a windshield and a rearview mirror. Do you know Do you know that quote? Do you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> yes, I do. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it's kind of a mantra that uh, helped reshape my life, uh, my way of thinking since uh, 2012, since 2013, when I got indicted for the second time. Um, it's, it was uh, brought up in a men's group meeting that I was in, and, and this guy, it was just like the right place at the right time, because mm-hmm. I was really in a dark place. And you and I talked about this, Pat, and um, I wrote about it in the book, and yeah. it was... I had just got indicted the second time in my life. I knew I was facing prison. I knew, and I could not understand really how this was all happening, why this was all happening. And I was just trying to find some peace. And I went to a men's group meeting one night and um, the guy that was speaking, guy by the name of Brian Schwartz, um, said a couple quotes and they were really resonated with me. It said, one of them was, the windshield is larger than the rearview mirror for a reason because what's wow. behind you doesn't really matter that much. Wow. It's all what it's all what's about what's in front of you. Mm-hmm. And um that really hit home at the right place at the right time. Um Yeah, so because I, you were in a dark time at, th- at that moment in your life because you got all these regrets about stuff, stuff that's coming back up now, right? Yeah. And you're having to deal with. It, it was a lot of internal persecution that I didn't know how to get rid of. Mm. Um, that really, the embarrassment to my family, the embarrassment to my parents, my kids, friends, I became a pariah too with a lot of people. Um, you know, information is power. The internet is perceived reality with a lot of people. And so I kept internalizing all this stuff and just kept beating myself up. Yeah. And, um, yeah. you know, it was that night, that quote, um, along with a, a passage in the Book of Romans about persecution and, re- and removing yourself from, from persecution because of what was done on the cross for us, mm-hmm. um, wow. really helped me kind of do what we're doing now and live through that second jail sentence and come out of it bigger, better, and better. Yeah. Well, so so based on that quote, let's do a little back to the future here. So we'll we'll spend just a, a brief time looking in the rearview mirror. But like you said, that's smaller for a reason. I want to spend most of this time talking about the the windshield, what's coming, what's what's coming on the pipeline. But but when you look in the the rearview mirror, because I know all of the listeners and me included we've all had things in our life or done things in our life where it's the hardest thing sometimes is, is not just to forgive others, but to forgive ourselves. And you have part of your story. You have some things that you did that you were very transparent about in the book. How, how, how have you been able to let go of those regrets? How have you been able to forgive yourself? Pat, I'd be an absolute hypocrite if I said I have. Um, it's work in progress every day. Um, I still struggle with it. I you know, I don't sleep all that much, and mm-hmm. um, I pretty much 
I get text message all the time from you at <laughs> two in the morning. <laughs> I, I'm really focused on a lot of the things that lie ahead that we'll get into, I'm sure. But, you know, I'll find myself one day a month, a couple times, a, uh, maybe a couple times a month, you know, Googling my name or looking at the comments that people may make. And, and you know, there's some comments out there that are ugly. There are a lot of comments that are good, but really, I don't really focus on the ones that are good. I'll dwell on the ones that are bad. See, and you're not alone with that. I can promise you, everyone listening, they could have a hundred good things said about them and one bad thing, and that's the one that stands out, right? Yeah, that's exactly right. People, it's that old adage that they say people go out of their way to say something negative, but they very seldomly say something positive. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'll dwell on the negatives Mm -hmm. more so than be comforted by the positives. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I fail at trying to forget the past, trying to, as much as I... I say that, hey, that that quote really hit me that day. And as much as I say, you know, I'm I'm strong in faith, and you know, there's so many great things happening in my life uh, that we're doing to make a difference and effectuate a change in this world. I still struggle with the negativity. I still struggle with a lot of the choices that I made in the past, the embarrassment, and some of the dark times that I went mm-hmm. through. So, when you ask me how do you how how do you get through that stuff, it's like. And I don't. I just keep trying to make it better. Yeah. You know, I love your transparency on that, though, Joe, because I think, again, I mean, I know I resonate with what you're saying, and I think a lot of the listeners will, that uh, getting over regrets or forgiving ourselves, it's never a one-time thing. It's not like we make a decision one day and we say, all right, I'm, I'm, I'm moving past that. It's a process. So what you're saying is you're still in that process. You're still working through that. Dude, I'm I, I'm just flawed. I am one jacked up person, <clears throat> work in progress. That's striving to do better, striving to always do right. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, painfully, mistakes that I've made in my past, I I have a hard time. I have a hard time forgetting, and that's I guess that's a good thing because I have a I'm consciously aware of it. Mm-hmm. I'm aware of the choices that I made, <clears throat> and I'm aware of making choices in the future and having a better thought process behind the choices I yeah, make in the future. Yeah. yeah, which is all, okay, so this this actually helps us transition from the, the, the rear view mirror to the windshield, because as part of why you wrote the book and part of why what you're wanting to do in the future is you're trying to help other people, especially young people, right, make better decisions in the future. So where you're saying when you look back uh, with regret and then trying to forgive yourself, there's some of the things, the decisions you made in the past, you don't want to forget all of those completely, because there were life lessons to you, right? There are ways for you to learn. But you're wanting to do that with other young people. Yeah. And, you know, when I had all that free time in prison and I wrote the book on that typewriter, and I really had a lot of downtime to go through my life, and I was able to pick out three, four, five instances that really were memorable, that really stood out, that had a consequence behind it because of a choice that I made. I wanted to put those on paper just to show my kids. But then when I really delve into it and peel back the layers even further, taking the kids out of the equation, there's a our youth today really needs some type of message and or help or narrative or some type of foundational ground that they could stand on that will allow them to understand that there's, hey, there's consequences to our choices. 
So that was really the, the sole impetus be, behind writing the book. Um, the kids and using the, using the choices that I made as a cautionary tale to try to help these kids that are just going through some struggles today, because this information age is deadly. Oh man, the social media stuff yeah. is just deadly. And 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 they're they're posting stuff and doing things that they think are going to disappear, but they're not. They're going to yeah. follow them. Yeah. That ten years from now, that's going to come back up somewhere, and they don't realize that. Yeah. A lot of them don't realize that, and they're making, like you're saying, they're making choices that are going to affect them uh, later in life for sure. One hundred percent. Yeah. Well, Joe, the other thing that I love about it, really quick, we're one more little thing about the rearview mirror, and then we will get to the windshield because it is bigger. But again, the, the redemptive side of the story too, being men of faith, I think the redemptive side is so powerful that even those mistakes and those regrets you have, you see how God is using those for good though, right? And that's, the Bible tells us, Romans eight twenty eight. he's never going to waste a hurt or a mistake that we make. Pat, candidly, I've, I have a problem when somebody, I think you know me well enough to, I don't take compliments very well. I don't <laughs> take people saying, thank you, Joe, thank you for doing that. I, I I get kind of squirmish inside when people say that. The to listeners me. can't see me smiling right now because yeah, I'm nodding. I, yes, yeah. I do know that about you. But I have a, also have a problem when people say my story is a redemptive story, because in my mind it's it 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 says it triggers in my mind redemptive from some really dark evils that were done, mm -hmm. and I don't think I went to the dark evil side. Mm -hmm. I just think I made some really flawed, jacked up choices. Yeah. Uh, the ASU choice, I mean, I was a product of my environment. I, I compromised my integrity at the age of 23 years old. Was it evil? I don't know. I mean, we have seen some evil in this world and yeah. I don't think yeah. the ASU choice was an evil choice. I think it was just a flat out wrong choice. Yeah. A couple other choices that I wrote about in the book that I made, Man, I don't think they were evil. I didn't rob or steal or hurt anyone or, God forbid, kill anyone or anything like that. I just made some bad choices. So when people say redemptive, redemptive in my mind is coming from an evil place to to a place of salvation where you're you're healed. Mm -hmm. And so when people that have read the book or read the movie script and and say, hey, Joe, this is just a great redemptive story, it's like, gosh, I feel like I failed. I feel like I was... Yeah, they yeah. interpret me or they internalized me as a evil person at one time in my life that all of a sudden decided to make good. I well, don't agree with that because I agree I've always been trying to do good. Yeah. I just failed many just, times. Just, well, there's two things on that. One, I'm going to note that because I use that phrase often. So every time I talk about this being a redemptive story, you yeah. <laughs> feel like I'm saying you're an evil person. But here's the, here's the second thing I see from that. That's, again, why your story is so powerful, though. There, there's a lot of kids out there. They're, they're, not, they're not going to, and doing an armed robbery of, robbery of some convenience store. They're they're gonna make a decision that they it's not a it's not a great decision, but it's not like they're not robbing a convenience store. But that's what you're trying to get across. Those those gray areas that they step into, they're gonna affect them, right? You know, I wrote about it in the book a little bit. It's like a grain of sand if you compromise your integrity. Now, we, we could say compromising your integrity to what degrees? Is there evil where you're just doing something that's flat out just obnoxiously wrong and hurts the society, hurts our society as a whole, and mm -hmm. that that's way off center. Or are there smaller, poor choices that I made that are maybe one degree off center. Mm -hmm. But if you keep continually making those smaller choices, those smaller, poor choices, and they're 1% at a time, you know, yeah. sooner or later, you're so far off center 
you could never get back to center again. Yeah. Yeah. You're you veered so far off course. Yeah. So yeah. that's yeah. You, you know, and I love you for saying I'm not I'm going to be cautious about using the word redemptive anymore. But that doesn't really bother yeah. me. It's it, it's just in my mind I look at the word redemptive in a different way. Yep, I see that. I see that. Well, let me let's look out the windshield because and it's actually perfect because near the end of your book at the end of chapter 25 um, you've written about all the things, and, 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 you, and you say this in the last uh, paragraph of, of chapter 25. My other perspective is one of peace, peace in the knowledge that wisdom does come through experience and age. Boy, we're finding that out, aren't we? Yeah. Peace in knowing my purpose on this, this earth is just starting, and that's the part I want to really focus on. Peace in knowing my purpose on this earth is just starting, that I have a new and exciting life ahead where I can make better decisions and create much better outcomes for myself, my family, and the world. This is what's exciting. This yeah. is looking out the windshield, right? Yeah. Because uh, I've known you for about a year, and I see that. You, you are a dreamer. You're a visionary. But you're trying to take your story and uh, your lessons and make it a better world, make things different. So there's a lot of cool things that are happening, right? So we're actually turning this into a movie, right? Yeah. So the movie we um, hopefully st should start sh uh, filming first, second quarter of 2022, looking at a release date, ideally first, second quarter of 2023. But the movie's not done, and you know this the way, way I do right now, Pat. The movie's not done the way a general film would be mm -hmm. done. We're not going to a production or a studio and and doing all those gyrations to make a movie, and we're certainly not doing it for profit. Mm -hmm. We're doing it in a way we partnered with an organization called Ambassadors of Compassion. And um, I know you're going to have Eric and Joni Hanna on the show here mm -hmm. uh, coming up shortly. But Ambassadors has what really – it was a perfect fit for me and, and the concept that I had for the story um, – because they have curriculum approved in high schools and colleges for our kids. Curriculum that that is formulated around what these kids are dealing with in today's world. The peer pressures of the world, the, the bullying, uh, the social media, uh, uh, it could be a depression, suicide. Mm -hmm. All these factors that these kids are up against that you and I, candidly, when yeah. we were young, we never faced all that yeah. stuff. It's a different world. But they have curriculum built around this, and what we've done in this partnership is we've, we're, we're doing this feature film in a way where it's going to be integrated with the curriculum for ambassadors. So when we launch the, the film in early 23, we're coming out with a way we're integrating pieces of the film inside of a workbook mm -hmm. to be used in the curriculum for ambassadors of compassion. And then we're going to do the feature release with the studios. So, it's, so it, it's a whole different paradox the way we're looking at it. And uh, but super super excited about it. I know you and I are going to be speaking at a lot of different high schools, a lot of different colleges, and all of twenty two and twenty three moving forward in anticipation of the film. But that's what really gets me excited. Yeah. And, and so when you look at the future, Pat, it used to be you know I've said this to you a few times. I I, I perceive myself as one of the the dumbest smart guys you'll ever meet. Mm -hmm. And I say that because when I got in, you know, whether I was at the Board of Trade and doing extremely well at a young age, or whether I got, after I got indicted with ASU and I opened up the car washes, it was, it was always trying to prove everyone else wrong. Mm -hmm. 
Mm. And how how big and bad of a house could I get? What kind of new cars can I buy every year? How much how many digits did I have in the bank? And I don't know if it's through a maturation process, if it's through just getting older and and seeing your kids grow mm-hmm. and looking at the world in a different way where you see some of the flaws that these kids are struggling with, not flaws these kids are struggling with, but some of the issues these yeah, kids are struggling yeah. with. The viewpoints have completely changed. We're right now, you know, business is good. We're, we're doing well as a company, um, but the but the motivations are different. The so motivations what, ch- what are, changed that? Because that's so great. That's what I heard you saying is your yeah. motives changed. What changed that? The focus was really was what changed it for me is to really drill down on being raw and real and figuring out who I'm performing for. Mm. So when I say, you know, in the past where I look at the mistakes that I made and when I compromised my integrity, it was about performing for an audience of many. Mm-hmm. I was trying to make so many people happy, trying to show them what a big shot Joe is, how successful Joe is. Now you peel back those layers. I don't perform for anyone. I perform for an audience of one. And I know who my one is, you know? Mm-hmm. And um, You write that in your book often, especially at the end. You talk about that as an audience of one. And I'll tell you, to, be, to keep it real, when I wrote it in the book in 2014 or 15, um, it sounded good. And I felt it, but I didn't live it. Because mm. even when I came out um, from prison the second time, I found myself going back again saying, okay, I just need to prove all these people wrong, that I'm not only this one-time felon, I'm, not this, I'm this two-time felon. I need to prove everyone wrong again. And I found myself slipping with some friends that I had back then uh, that were just good to me. They were just really good to me. And I found myself slipping into a situation where I was performing for many again. Mm. So it took some time and it took some eye-opening experiences in my life and and some raw moments mm-hmm. internally that I had to correct myself and say, you know, screw all that nonsense. I'm not going back to what I used to do that made made some poor choices. I'm going back to performing what I wrote about for an audience of one and just I'm just going to put my trust, and if I perform for that audience of one, the rest of the pieces are going to fall mm-hmm. into place. You know, you bring up a point that's so powerful, that, and I think anybody would resonate with this. I certainly do. That, that 12 inches from your head to your heart, that's a hard 12 inches. That's a long, right? Because you knew it was in your head, I'm going to do it for an audience of one, but to move that to your heart where you're actually living that out, it was a process, and you're well, still in the process. It, 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 it's a tremendous process, and to be faithful and always stay true to what the what we need to do is just it's been eye-opening of what happens when you maintain that course mm-hmm. pat i know you're aware because you're the executive director of it but you know we opened up a foundation mm-hmm. called operation mm-hmm. joy and joy is an acronym for jesus others and you mm-hmm. and um we're the whole focus on that that foundation right now is at least my focus is um for kids, yep. kids that are in basic yep. needs of necessities, food, clothing, shelter, uh, education. God wired me in a way where that just tugs on my heartstrings. Um, our oldest daughter, Gianna, has a passion for foster kids. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> our, my wife, Tracy, has a passion for a clean water initiative mm-hmm. where I completely agree with her. There's no way or rhyme or reason why anyone in this world in today's day and age should have to 
wonder where they're going to get clean water. Yeah. Or walk miles just you know, to get water, and dirty so, water. Yeah. yeah, it's just so fortunate to have you at the helm as the executive director. My family and I have just bonded in a way where it's just been amazing mm -hmm. to see the kids over dinner talking about, hey, Dad, what do you think about doing this? We can yeah. make a difference in this organization yeah. or yeah. We, can, we can make a difference here. And that's been, as a father, mm. it's been amazing for me. Oh, yeah. Amazing because yeah. we will be effectuating change. Yeah. We want to deploy our resources in a way where we can see immediate change yeah. in this world. Yeah, yeah. And especially, I know this comes up often with a lot of your family, with youth. It's something that you've been passionate about and yeah. even the initiative with this going along with the movie, again, trying to reach young people. What is it about young people that, that gets to your heart so much? Because... It's something that you talk about often, and you talk about trying to reach this next generation. Pat, I just think that I look back in my life, and I really, I peel back the layers, and I'm always trying to dive deep internally, and I look at all the choices that I had, and I'm like, I'm like an anomaly. I, I'm like in a small percentage of people that had the opportunities that I was given to me. Mm. Great family, parents married 52 years, loving family, sister, brother. We were a unit, and I had every opportunity for education. I had every, and I had a brain too. I had a brain that worked in ways and saw different things, and made a tremendous amount of money at a young age. But I managed to let it. I managed to squander it, hmm. and lost it. And, and so, even with all those opportunities, with, even saying, yeah. with all those opportunities, yeah, yeah. and I was in a small percentage yeah. of people that are actually given those opportunities. And then I look at kids today that. Some of these, you know, we started looking at an organization here lately for foster kids. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And you look at these stories, and I had when Gianna and, and, and Raina, our second daughter, would talk to me, and then you talked to me about the meeting that you guys were in. Mm -hmm. And you hear these kids that are 17, 18 years old that age out, right? Yeah. I never heard that word aged yeah. out before until you guys brought no it up to me. No support system. They've lived their whole life being rejected. They go to these galas. They go to these events where, where – they bring in potential foster parents and the foster parents don't pick these kids. Yeah. And now they're 18 years old and they're just turned loose. Yeah. And they have no foundation behind them. They don't know what a family unit is. They don't know who to trust, who not to trust. They've been rejected their entire life. And you talk about for someone like me that's had all these blessings and I just screwed them up, mm -hmm. seeing stories like that, seeing kids that are in need of basic necessity. You look at Phoenix as the fifth largest market in North America but yet there's kids that go to our school system on the west side or maybe even on the north side up in Scottsdale, I don't know, that are literally rummaging through garbage cans yeah, yeah. in the cafeteria to bring food home for their families to eat. Yeah. How the heck does that happen? Mm -hmm. For me, it does. It, it just tugs on these heartstrings. And, and if we can do something to make a difference in those lives of those, those kids, I think the next generations will be so much better off yeah. because that's what's, in my mind, in my humble opinion, Pat, that's what's really turning this country to a dark place is that there is no more foundational basis of how of right and wrong. Yeah, for sure. It's out the for window sure. almost. For sure. Well, and that's what's so exciting about this curriculum. You touched on that a little bit at the Ambassadors of Compassion. And like you said, we're going to have Eric Hanna, who's one of the founders on here. He's going to be on here in coming weeks. Going to really unpack what that is. So I encourage the listeners to tune into that. Going to unpack what that curriculum does. And a lot of it is to teach some of this character, the character development, the things that 
because I, I, I was blessed with a good family too. The things that we grew up just learning, it was just part of what we learned. But we still made mistakes even yeah. with all of that. Think about kids that don't even have those opportunities, that don't even have that training. So to, to get to go out and share this, and hopefully that million plus student yeah. initiative, what if we could reach a million students with that, right? That's the well, big the, vision. That's the vision. 2023 will be a million kids. 2022 will be at least 300,000 kids. Um, we, we're, we're focused on Southern California. We're focused on Arizona. You know all the stuff that we're doing behind the scenes right now. We're on this thing eight days a week. Um, super, super excited about making a difference in this world, in these kids, and getting these generations back on track with some foundational structure and Pat, it's not about faith. Mm -hmm. And you know, I, I'm wearing a hack with a cross on it because yeah. that's who yeah. I am. Yeah, you're a man. That's of faith. who I am. Yeah. And and I believe in faith. And faith runs my household and runs my life. Yep. But the curriculum with ambassadors, we're not jamming faith down anyone's yep. throat. Yep. We're jamming right and wrong, yep. black and white, yep. values, yep. what's good, what's bad. Yep. That's all we're doing. Yeah, setting goals, resiliency, how to let go yeah. of hurts, and right, yeah. all those yeah. things that, yeah. 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 It, it, so it's not, you know, a, a cautious, because I know some of the listeners and some of the guests that you've, mm -hmm. uh, well, not the listeners, some of the guests that you brought on. They sit there and talk about their faith all day long. And hey, that's great because we want to get to know the person mm -hmm. that you're interviewing, mm -hmm. what they're about, what they're good at, what they're not good at, and, and keep it real. But what we're doing with our initiative is not faith driven. It's almost like your actions speak so loudly, I can't hear what you're saying. Mm -hmm. So if we can have our actions speak so loudly, mm -hmm. they're going to get what we're saying. Yeah. And it's not even, we're not even going to say anything about faith. Yep. We're just going to let our actions do the talking is what's right and exactly. what's wrong. And, you know, maybe accidentally they're going to come to faith. Yep. But yep. we're not jamming it down anyone's yep. throats. Yep. And even if they don't, we'll still love them the same and it's still reach good. out to them the same. Absolutely. Good. Joe, you know, one of the things that I love about you, it's an acronym that I heard years ago when I was working with the anti human trafficking, and it's NIMBY, uh, not in my backyard. You, uh, you have that heart, and I love that about you. You know, when you hear about something, like even when, we, when your two daughters and I met with this foster care organization just last week, and you start hearing about what some of these kids are going through, you, you have that, that heart of justice, that heart of what's right, and to say, not, not in my backyard. Like, not, not if we can do something about this. This isn't, this isn't right. Kids shouldn't grow up this way. I have a flaw of wanting to solve problems. And, and, <laughs> it's and, not a flaw. <laughs> but, but you know what? One of my gifts that I've been given is the ability to do so. And I used to try to figure it out for solely for monetary gain and business structures. And, and I still do. You know, mm -hmm. I'm, a, I'm mm -hmm. a serial entrepreneur. Yeah. Um, and I look at a lot of different things in, in different ways that other people might. But I'm finding I could use those talents to solve problems of hurt in this world. Yeah. And Pat, there is so much hurt in this world. We're looking at a 15-year bull market. The economy is robust. I mean, this COVID thing has kicked a lot of people hard in the gut. But we're looking at a 15-year bull market. People have some cash in their 401ks, whatever. But the hurt is probably more prevalent than there yeah. ever was before yeah. in the past. I think so. There's no foundation. I mean, uh, the the crime that's out there and what people are doing um, in this world to hurt others. There's no correlation between mm -hmm. the money and and the the lack of crime or issues that are out there and the hurt and the pain that are out there. They're, they're not a correlation. I could see back in. 2008, 2009, when we were just in, in the 
deepest, darkest re, uh, recession in the history of our economy, you would think crime would be higher then, you would mm -hmm. think there'd be more hurt then, but now we're at a 15-year bull market, and, and um, you would think that the crime would be lower, yeah. but that's not the case. No, not at all. Not the case. So when you say, not in my backyard, I see these problems, and I'm just going to try to figure out a way to figure out and fix those problems. Yeah. Um, or in the past, it was trying to figure it out for self-serving reasons. Um, how's it going to benefit me? Uh, mm -hmm. Can I get a bigger house? Mm -hmm. Can I have more money in my account? Now it's like, I see this pain and I see our kids, mm -hmm. the three beautiful kids you have, the, mm -hmm. the kids, the, the four kids on my side, and I see these kids. I don't want that pain to happen in my backyard. If we can mm -hmm. make a difference, yep. if, if we've been blessed with these resources to make a difference, I want to make it happen. Yeah, yeah. I love it. I love it. Joe, you started by sharing that, um, the quote that you heard right, right when you were getting out the second, second time, and it's a dark moment for your life, but there's a reason the windshield is larger than the rearview mirror. And while we all have to deal with our rearview mirror, we're all dealing with regrets and having to forgive ourselves or forget other people. You know, hopefully that is smaller. We're not spending all our time on that. And I, and, and I love what you're doing, but it's also a motivator to the whole audience listening to spend more time looking out that windshield, to have that same attitude, the NIMBY, not in my backyard. When you see an issue, when you see a problem, figure out how to do something about it. Figure out how to solve it, right? And this world would be a different place. Without a doubt. I mean, we're all going to make mistakes. We're all flawed. We're all jacked up. And the good thing about it is that your mistakes are going to be forgiven. That's that's the good thing. Yep. So. Yep. 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 Well, I love what you're doing. I love actually that I get to be part of it. As you shared with the audience, I love working with you I'm and getting to be one. part of that. So thanks so much, Joe. You got it, buddy. All right. Here's to some great years ahead out the windshield. Amen. Thanks for listening to the No Gray Areas podcast. To dive deeper into the story, be sure to subscribe, follow us on social media, and check out nograyareas.com.